Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip, encourage, and challenge you in pro life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel. Stay tuned. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome back to the Gospel-Centered Pro-Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys joining us, and uh, we'd appreciate if you guys would share this podcast episode. We would appreciate if you guys would just share this podcast in general with your friends, people that would be encouraged and blessed by this podcast. The focus of this podcast is the gospel. We want to bring the gospel to places of darkness, and in particular in pro-life ministry, on the sidewalks at abortion centers. That's the main focus of this podcast. We talk about other things from time to time, but really the focus is bringing the gospel to the abortion centers where the gospel is needed. And uh, we just did an episode that came out, um, well, today, because we record these things a week in in advance. But um, for you guys, it'll be last Thursday. That was about boldness. And I was blessed by it, actually, just as we went through the different scriptures, Vicki and as we uh, just talked about how God, by His Holy Spirit, filled the apostles with boldness, right? They spoke the Word of God with boldness, and I hope it was a blessing for those of you who listened. I hope it was an ble- I hope it was a blessing and encouragement to you um, that you can be bold, not because of how great you are, but because of the One who's in you, the Holy Spirit, and He can be uh, bold through you. Um, so please share that episode, and as always, we encourage you to reach out and you know. Give us some topics that you think would be a blessing that maybe you have questions, things like that. We cover stuff like boldness, like how to be bold, how to operate in boldness. But we also cover practical stuff like what to do when an ambulance shows up at the abortion center. Like who does a podcast about that? Well, we do. We are unique. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, when, when, but, the, but that boldness topic was uh, actually we thought of it because of our guest today. Right. Yeah. We thought of it because of Jenna, because she's young and bold. And I'm working with uh, many new counselors right now, also young. And there are varying degrees of boldness in, yeah. in them. And that's what kind of sparked that. One and then led to this podcast. Yeah, yeah. Was we want to so, know what's her secret, right? Right, Daniel. Yeah, yeah. Th- this is kind of like a a part two of that previous podcast. It is. Like, how can yeah. this manifest? Yeah. So we gave you some scripture and some scriptural examples and some experiences that we've had, uh, but we wanted to bring Jenna on because you know, she's a bold young lady, but she's also she's humble. She walks in humility. She's uh. Um, walking with the Lord, of course, and it's obvious that God is moving through her and working through her. So we thought that we would get her to share her story with you guys, maybe share what the Lord has taught her of how to walk in boldness. She's on the sidewalks. She's engaging people. But even beyond that, like she's engaging pastors, getting pastors to come out. And if you know anything about Love Life, we try to get churches to adopt a week and ultimately do a prayer walk at the abortion center. She's asking pastors to do that, pastors who've not really done anything about abortion. She's getting them to come out and do a prayer walk at an abortion center, which is really a difficult task. And so obviously she's got some boldness 
but I think she would rec- recognize, and we'll, we'll get her to share here in just a second, that it's the Lord working through her. So anyway, we wanted to bring Jenna on. We hope this will be an encouragement to you guys. So uh, yeah, so Jenna, just introduce yourself a little bit, kind of where you serve at, and uh, we'll kind of get into your background and, and the different things that we ha- we think would help encourage others. Yeah. Hey, guys. Um, so my name is Jenna. I'm a sidewalk missionary in Roanoke, Virginia, um, and I'm 21 years old. I've been married for a little bit over a year now to my wonderful husband, Eastman. And he's here. He's from here, Roanoke, Virginia. But I was actually born and raised in Woodstock, Georgia. OK. Yeah. So you're a southern girl. I am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's probably where the boldness comes from. Actually, Newly married, <laughs> 21 years old. I mean, when I met her, I'm 65, and I'm thinking, wow, they just keep getting younger. <laughs> and how is she going to do? Because this is, this is really, I mean, the sidewalk missionary in a new city, a big and very, in many ways, intimidating uh, position to, to be in. So, um, so we were all very pleasantly um, surprised by how you just really took the bull by the horns and and did what what you needed to do out there with with boldness integrity and like daniel said a lot of humility yeah but um yeah i'm i'm very i i did talk with you a little bit at at when we first met you and i i knew a little bit about your background but mm-hmm. can you kind of fill us in a little bit about you know um your your family uh your upbringing when when you came to the lord and you know things like that yeah absolutely Um, So I'm actually the youngest of five children to my amazing parents, Gene and Jamie. Um, And I was really kind of raised in the church. Um, And I also grew up going to a private Christian school. So faith and Christianity, you know, those were never foreign terms to me. Um, And my parents taught preschool in our church. They've taught for over 15 years. So I feel like it was through my family and through other believers' influence that really drew me to Christ at such a young age, um, because I saw the way that they lived their lives. And I just remember thinking like, man, I want that. Um, so I gave my life to Christ at five years old and I was baptized. Um, and you know, growing up in the faith, I feel like God really gave me a heart for people that were seen as less than, um, people who were maybe struggling in life and serving others has just really become a part of my heart Um, and something that I desired to do. And God has always Mm. really revealed himself to me through the way that Jesus reached out to, you know, what we would call the least of these. Yeah. Yeah. So there was never really a time in your life that you remember that you were not walking with the Lord. Yeah. I mean, is that right? Jesus was always, you know, a big part of my life. And, you know, even through holidays or just, you know, regular every every day of the week, um, it was a big discussion in our house. And, um, that had, I had to develop my own faith, not just my family's. And that was a challenge for me, but coming to know the Lord on my own, um, through the influence of my family and through strong believers. Mm. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, I know you've already shared a little bit, but when you came to know the Lord, um, what was, what was the context there? And, uh, just kind of the impact that the Lord kind of you know, had immediately on your life coming from being raised in a Christian home and having a faith that you know, saturated the home, but then embracing 
Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, growing up, I had great influences through not only my parents, but my siblings. Um, And I saw them walking in the Lord. And I think that's really what encouraged me to um, get to know this Jesus more. And, you know, growing up, being in the church, you know, every Sunday, every Wednesday, and being in a Christian school, that topic of Jesus and what he did for us on the cross was very prevalent. But um, I had to determine for myself what I believed and why I believed that. Um, And just through reading God's word, he really revealed himself to me. Um, And I feel like he showed me so much grace by um, revealing himself to me at such a young age that I was able to give my life to Christ at five years old, um, which of course, you know, I didn't know everything about the gospel, nor will I ever. um, But he's continuing to reveal himself to me as I grow in the faith. Yeah. Yeah. So at at age five, um, you you know, there's got to be just a very, very um, cursory understanding of, of sin um, and, and just all of the other you know, major biblical concepts. As you got older, were you just building on that? Or was there a period where you really thought, "Mm, I'm not sure any of this is true, and you had to kind of go and re-examine it? Um, I would say, you know, there's always doubts, always questions that I've had in my mind. But um, my dad would explain to you that he's always seen me as a very black and white person, the way that I view things. And I think that's because of my foundation on Scripture um, he often shares an example of one time when we were at a roller skating rink and I was, you know, going around the rink and the announcer said, all right, it's time to get off the, you know, off the floor. And immediately he said, I beelined it all the way from the opposite side, all the way over to where he was. And I got off and I looked behind me and I was like, why are they not listening? Why is everyone still going around the rink? Um, so I feel like that's a good example of how God has really given yeah. me that black and white view of scripture and, um, you know, life versus death or, um, evil versus good. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, if, if I forget to ask later, it may not be the right point now to ask, but I want you to kind of keep in your mind. If you've ever been challenged by someone saying you always knew God, Mm -hmm. you always knew right from wrong. You had an incredibly supportive family who always guided you in right from wrong you can't possibly understand where mm-hmm. I'm coming from because I know I, I I have heard that to other young people raised in the faith from a, um, a very hurting wounded population, which are most of the women that are going to be entering an abortion center. Right. So I don't know if we want to answer that right now, or if you want to think about that and we'll, we'll touch on that later, maybe in this, in this chat. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll answer that um, myself for well, you. Are you uh, didn't Jenna. have that stainless background, did you, well, Daniel? <laughs> not really, but the Bible says of itself, like if if you have this is Paul speaking to Timothy, talking about the Word of God. Yeah, that if you've got the Word of God, I'm paraphrasing, then you're thoroughly equipped for every good work. Like I, you know, personally, I've never been a woman, never been pregnant. And so I've had the the accusation against me. How do you know? You don't know what it is to be pregnant. You don't know what it is to be a woman. Who are you to talk to me? Well, I'm someone that loves you and cares about you. And though I don't have all of your life experiences, no one does. No one has everybody's life experiences. You know, you could 
you could come from a horrible background and not be the same ethnicity as somebody. And you, of course, don't know their their circumstances, their situations. But what you do know is, you know, truth. And if you know truth, then you've ultimately got what people need. Right. They need an encounter with the truth. The one who is the truth, Jesus himself. So I'm answering that for Jenna, although we can let her answer that. Later on, if she yeah, wants. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great answer. I think what I'm hearing <laughs> and have always heard is that she has truth, and she has always had that in her background, and that is powerful and attractive. Yeah, and, and people will seek after that. So, um, tell us about what brought you to Sidewalk min- Ministry, because that's um, um, you said you always felt you wanted to help others, kind of that that was your model that you saw in Jesus. Um, This is a very difficult ministry and not a popular one. And really, in many ways, unknown. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it. I'd been a Christian for 30 years before I ever knew that people did this. So here you are, age 21, and um, you chose to devote your life to it. What what made you, or at least your life right now, um, to that? So what, what brought you here? Yeah. Um, well, God is, you know, he's very detailed and very intricate with his plan. So it is amazing how I got where I am today. Um, and, you know, being raised in the church, being pro-life is kind of in the DNA and the fingerprints of being a Christian. But it wasn't until my freshman year of college where I was truly exposed to the, you know, atrocity of abortion. Um, so I was going to community college in Georgia for a degree in dental hygiene. And I was just taking my core classes, um, one of which one of which was American government. And what my professor one day decided to bring up the topic of abortion, and she allowed us to have um, kind of a discussion about it. But it ended up not being much of a discussion. It was actually very much one sided in favor of abortion. And honestly, I can just remember sitting there that day. And my body was physically shaking. And I was almost just angry that my generation had been so deceived to believe that abortion was okay. Um, And I wasn't prepared that day to be a voice for the voiceless. I didn't know what to say, but I was motivated to do something further. Um, So right after class that day, I actually went up to my professor and I just started telling her, what I thought about abortion. Um, And it turns out she was pro-life and a Christian. And not only that, but she had been praying for God to raise up a student on campus that could help her start a pro-life club um, at the school. So together, me and her, you know, we got connected with Students for Life. And we launched this club on campus to really just educate students on abortion and then also to help expecting moms. And we would do, you know, occasional sidewalk outreach. Um, And then it wasn't too long before COVID hit and caught wind and it, you know, closed the school campus and I was laid off my job and I was just stuck at home and didn't know what to do with my time. Um, so during this time I was engaged and I was planning to move to Virginia after the wedding. And I didn't really want to invest in this school club that I wasn't going to, you know, be a part of anymore once I moved. Um, but I still wanted to be involved in pro-life work. So what I started to do was outreach through social media on Instagram and Facebook, because that was really the only place at that time that I could have a voice. 
So I was just writing posts about, you know, how would you respond to typical pro-abortion arguments so that I could share it with my followers and educate people. Um, And then over that summer, a friend of my husband's actually saw my social media posts. And this is kind of some of the intricate details of the whole story, but he was staying with Josh Kappas, the Love Life um, co- or, you know, co-president or um, vice president. And yeah. he was telling Josh about some of my posts. And this was really at the time when Love Life was expanding from Charlotte all the way through Love Life America. So I got in contact with Josh and we started having Zoom meetings and I was invited to training with you, Vicki and Daniel. Um, So I attended that training and I think it was August of 2020. And, um, you know, I was commissioned as a sidewalk missionary and went off to Roanoke, Virginia. And that's where kind of this ministry began. So as you can see, you know, God is really in the details and has guided me to where I am right now. Yeah, That's an amazing story. And this is like a little point that you made early on, but I am dying to know. So you, you were in a class with a professor who communicated a, what was really the pro-abortion side. And unless I misunderstood you, she actually, you went down and talked to her and she was actually pro-life. Yeah. So what she had communicated that day was just um, that we were going to be talking about abortion, but she wasn't doing much of the talking. It was the students who were having a conversation in class. Um, So it was really all of these pro-abortion students, people that were my age that were, you know, for abortion. And I was the only person in class that day that was against abortion. Um, And I didn't know much to say, but I do remember bringing up the fact that Life begins at conception and talking about all the human DNA, you know, that unique, never to be made again, human DNA. And that was the only thing that um, I could think of that day to talk about. And, um, you know, that has motivated me to be more prepared so that I can have those conversations with people. Yeah, it it also was a, a scenario that is not unlike what you face on the sidewalk. You are you are usually one voice in a sea of opposition. And and so the personality type, I think, that thrives in that kind of a a mission or ministry is someone who is bold enough to not shrink back from the fact that you're one of very few that are, you know, trying to speak what you believe is right and true. Yeah, that's so that's that's pretty amazing. God really yeah, I think was that, in that too, you know, speaks to situations where, you know, because we can lack confidence and we can lack boldness and we can even shy away from putting ourselves in situations where we're going to be put on the spot. And I don't think that day that you knew you're going to be put on the spot in that way. But you did know going into a university or to a college campus that <laughs> it was going to be sort of a hostile environment. Right. Yeah. And as believers in Jesus. We've got to be willing to put ourselves in hostile environments uh, because what oftentimes the Lord will do in those environments is, like you said, use that to spur us on to dig deeper and to figure out, okay, I don't know how to combat these arguments right now, but I'm going to find out. And I would say the same way as far as the sidewalks are concerned. I get a lot of questions from people who say, 
you know, I don't want to go out there because I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond when someone says this or says that. And we, you know, we, we do podcast episodes to help you know how to respond. So we've taken care of that for you. But <laughs> the fact is, we can never do enough episodes to tell you how to respond in every situation. You've got to just go out there, put yourself on the line in the sense, put yourself in an uncomfortable situation and God will, like we promised, God will grow you in ways in your walk with God. If you go out there on that sidewalk, you will grow in ways that you will not grow otherwise. And I think that's what you've discovered even in that setting, but also being out on the sidewalk. Am I right about that? Yeah, definitely. You know, you grow up and if you grow up in the church, you kind of grow up in what people call the Christian bubble. Um, yes. Yeah. And going to a college university that wasn't, you know, faith based, it was kind of a culture shock for me to see that there are actually different opinions. Um, so it is important that we're preparing ourselves, um, you know, for needing to respond to those other opinions and showing them yeah. the gospel through it. Yeah. Throughout that so, semester, were you able to go back to those students, to that class, and slowly begin to? give your point of view and challenge their worldview? Yeah, great question. So I actually um, did go back to that class and that same professor who helped me start the pro-life club, um, she invited me to come share about, you know, our club that we had started and to share a little bit about abortion. So I was able to go back and share the truth that I had learned. Um, So that was an amazing opportunity to be able to respond. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I was going to ask, what are some of the things that you did to help equip yourself? You know, you're in that mm-hmm. situation, you leave with, you know, barely being able to answer, at least not having a good framework for answering these things, because here you are exposed to a whole classroom full of pro-abortion people. What did you do? What did you, you go online and search some websites and get some information and things like that? Yeah. So right after that day, I mean, I was fired up, like God was really breaking my heart that day. Um, and I was just so motivated to educate myself. So I went home and immediately I just started watching YouTube video after YouTube video of people responding to, um, pro-abortion arguments and learning what the best way to communicate with someone would be, um, and how to use scripture to guide those conversations. And so in a sense, as I always like to use, uh, we talk about boldness and stepping out, the analogy of David, David and Goliath, in a sense, like Goliath was in that classroom that day, this this big culture of death <laughs> thing, mocking God, mocking the truth of God. And uh, you went and got five smooth stones to take Goliath down, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what happened. Yeah, that's that's good. I think it's just so astonishing how sometimes there are um, single pivotal moments in life that really are, they truly do change the trajectory of our life. And it sounds like that that classroom situation was, was one of those. Um, and and how how wonderful of God to point you, not only through that experience, but then to point you to Josh and to be able to find out, hey, there is... A, p- a place where I can do what God has now raised a passion in me yeah, to do. Absolutely. So, yeah. And to see yeah. God's plan through, um, through this school reveal itself to me, you know, if anyone knows me, I had mentioned I was in, um, going to school for dental hygiene, but if anyone knows me, like 
I am not into other people's dental hygiene. So it was very bizarre (laughs) that I was even going to school for that in the first place. But that was the only college in my area that offered um, a degree in dental hygiene. So it was God guiding me there specifically for that moment to break my heart for abortion. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's That's pretty cool. And then just seeing how the Lord made that connection with ultimately with love life and, you know, just at really the right time, um, it, w- it was pretty cool. So your fiance's friend was staying with Josh because he knew Josh's family or something. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Like he, I think he was uh, at an he was internship like at over the Chick-fil-A summer. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, when he, he was an internship at Chick-fil-A, mm-hmm. staying with Josh in his basement and heard about this love life thing and, and kind of us expanding. And, hey, there's, here's, a, here's a girl that I know who might be interested in this, you end up coming to boot camp, which I know that was a step of faith as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then really once you hit the ground in Roanoke, you really hit the ground running, which has been, um, just such a blessing for us to see. So rewarding. I don't know about for you, Vicki, but it's for me to see, you know, we've sown some, some principles and some truth into people and just to see those seeds that we've sown take root. It's, it's really rewarding. It really is. And I would love to hear from, um, your perspective. You're still pretty new at this. I guess it hasn't been a year, a full yeah, year. It's been now. a little over a year. Um, to, yeah, think back when you started. Here you are. No one else is out there, right? This is you starting a ministry. At a at an abortion center in your city, uh, how did you feel? What were the challenges? Um, did you feel this boldness and confidence that we see in you as you step out on that sidewalk or step in front of pastors? So, kind of talk us through those those first days. What what you were feeling as a young person this this new challenging time in your life, and um, and you know. Where did you go from there? Yeah. Um, So when we first got out to the clinic, I hadn't done much um, sidewalk counseling before Love Life. I had, you know, gone out to an abortion clinic a few times and maybe held a sign and prayed. um, But I hadn't communicated with anyone who was abortion minded. So I was very overwhelmed when um, first going out. But I remember the first time my husband came with me to Planned Parenthood in Roanoke. And the first three women that came in stopped and took resources. And I just couldn't believe it. Um, And while there's challenges to being young, I feel like there's also different benefits as well. I feel like God has really put favor on me as far as being able to communicate with these women. Um, You know, they see a young girl and I think it makes me approachable. But, you know, like you said, there's also those challenges as well. There's been times where I'm not taken seriously and I've been called, you know, referred to as a little girl or that I'm ignorant and don't know, you know, don't know what I'm talking about or I don't understand. Um, And I've been asked several times myself if, you know, I was even a mom because I couldn't understand what they're going through, Um, which, you know, it doesn't take being a mom or an older adult to understand that God has placed value on life and that he cares for the unborn. So, yeah, there's definitely that benefit and that um, benefit of being young, but there's a challenge as well. And I know that I had a lot of doubts going into this ministry of, you know, just asking God, like, why me? Like, why would God pick me? You know, at this when I was first starting with Love Life, I was 19 years old. 
Um, wow. So I was like, why me when there's so many other adults that are more wise than me or more equipped than me? Um, but it's not about my capability. It's not about what I can do, but about what Christ can and will do through me. And mm-hmm. I remember at boot camp, you guys kept telling us over and over again that you're running with the willing. So mm-hmm. while I may have been, you know, the youngest there, there was adults up to 60s, 70s beyond. Um, but yep. the same, the thing that we all had in common was, first of all, faith in Christ. Um, and we understand that we're simply just vessels, you know, ready to be used by God. So even through those challenges of doubt, doubt that I've faced, I trust that God will do the work through me. And, you know, all I have to do is be willing and obedient. Yeah. That's, a, that's so true. That that gets kind of to that question I asked early on when people challenge you because you have not had their experiences. And you answered very similarly to how how Daniel um, answered that it those experiences are, are not what you need. You need truth. And you've got that. You've got that through through the Lord. So um, did did you ever have someone really come and say, I I'm not even going to talk to you because you can't begin to know what it's like to be pregnant and poor when you've never even been pregnant and you've got, you know, this supportive family. Mm-hmm. I would say we've had an overwhelming um, good response from most of the people that we have conversations with. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily say that I've had people, you know, ask me for a response in that way, but um, when we first got started, it was very slow and we weren't seeing any fruit from our labor labor. And that was very discouraging to me. Um, and I just started asking my mom, you know, I'm in Roanoke, Virginia at this time. And my mom and my family and all my friends are back in Woodstock, Georgia. And I just asked her like, would you please, please pray for us? And she felt moved by the spirit to start a prayer group for us. And once mm-hmm. this prayer group took place, you know, these are people praying from Woodstock, Georgia, people praying from our area and um, even across the United States, we saw this huge shift take place. Um, And there were more families that were coming up and talking with us and they were open to communicating and they were um, being vulnerable with us, which is something that I hadn't seen before. Um, So I would say that we have had a really, you know, a great response from the families that we do have an opportunity to talk to. I love what what you just pointed out. It's it's such a truth that the, you perceived that this battle was truly not a battle of flesh and blood, but a spiritual battle, and you began immediately to fight it with spiritual weapons, and that's when a, a turnaround came. So, so the prayer, yeah. uh, a faithful prayer group behind you, that's um, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say, gosh, that's something I've learned as well. Just knowing the spiritual warfare that we're in and knowing the battle that we're facing is it's so intense and the discouragement that can come um, can be so, it can be detrimental, just the discouragement that we can be under. Knowing that there are people specifically behind us praying is a powerful thing. I've seen a shift myself, even being out here in California, there's just been some challenges and things moving my family out here. It's been a challenge and just, you know, spiritual warfare that's here, the devil trying to come in and just you know, distract and all these other things. I'm like, man, I need to get a prayer group together myself. So I reached out to a couple of brothers 
and said, hey, would you guys be praying for me? And I can just testify to what you're saying, Jenna. I can feel a difference. I can see momentum building and I can see things moving forward at a faster pace because I know that people are praying. They're appealing to heaven for me. So you guys that are out on the sidewalk, and I would say specifically for you who are brand new, and you're thinking maybe you've never been out on the sidewalk or maybe you've only been out there for a couple of times, I want to encourage you to do what Jenna did. Reach out to some people. There are people in your life, believers, who can't be out there on the sidewalk for whatever reason, but they can pray for you. And have them pray for you once a day or maybe have seven different people praying for you (laughs) once a day every week. Um, Have somebody cover each day, you know. Or just the days that you're going to be out on the sidewalk. Maybe you're committed to go out on the sidewalk every Friday. Build a prayer team to be praying for you every Friday. Have a, have have that air support, because that's kind of what it is, like military terms, right? You've got the people that are on the ground, and then you've got the air support. And that is a powerful, um, powerful weapon against the enemy and against discouragement, but also... Like you see breakthrough, like yeah. what you testified to, Jenna. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, because I, I don't want to leave leave this point too quickly, because I know I, I like like both of you, I think, have, you know, came to a realization, wow, this is not of me. I, I need prayer support. I would start as soon as a mom, I'd be talking to a mom or someone else on the sidewalk was talking to mom, I would start texting or um putting a post out on Facebook, please, please pray for us. And sometimes I would see a mom choose life, but sometimes they still choose abortion. They still do. Do, You know, so um, God is not a genie in a bottle that, Mm -hmm. um, that grants our wishes. Um, His will is supreme, but, I certainly have experienced, despite feeling like like sometimes I am and our team is fighting the battle with spiritual tools and well and prayer support, we will still experience defeat. We will still see moms walk into that abortion center. We will still fight discouragement. At least I have. So I'm just wondering, have you experienced that as well? And how have you dealt with that if you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely been some defeat in this ministry. And I mean, we all want to see fruit from our labor. You know, we all want to see those lives saved. And we want to see those amazing stories of how we've been able to walk alongside moms and mentor these families. Um, but sometimes that's not always the case. And, you know, I've had situations where I've counseled moms for the longest time, you know, outside the clinic and and have continued texting them and praying for them. And they still make that decision um, to disobey God. Um, And something that you guys would say at training a lot that has really stuck with me is that the victory is in obedience. And we just have to remember that it's, you know, not those numbers. It's not the fruit of the labor. While those are all very good things, but our victories in that obedience that we take. Yeah. And yeah. that helps I mean, you through it. that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. yeah. I had yeah, it. And that's, that kind of goes back to even the podcast episode we did about motivation. Right. And our motivation for ministry, that our motivation can't be the babies and the moms, not our primary motivation. Certainly we're motivated by that, right? You were initially motivated by the fact that, 
the, our world, our, our culture is a culture of death, and all the students in that classroom were pro-abortion, uh, pro-abortion, except for you, right? And that was a motivation, but your primary motivation is the Lord, your love for him, what he's done in your life. We've got to keep that as our motivation, because if the victory is in babies being saved and the victory is in the mom's choosing life, we don't see that every day. And so we feel like we're not victorious every day. But if the victory is in obedience, and if our motivation is a love for God first, then every day we show up, we're being obedient and we are victorious. God's doing the stuff behind the scenes and God's doing the work. If all the work is up to us, then we're going to be sadly disappointed. The work is up to the Lord. We're just called to be obedient, to be a vessel for him to work through. Yeah. Yeah. So that prayer support and all the spiritual uplifting and support um, can certainly help to change just our outlook on everything that we face, both the um, the wonderful fruit that we do see, but also those times when we when we don't see fruit. So I don't want to leave it on a downer like that. I know you've seen some really amazing things happen. There, there are rewards. There are definitely rewards that are really pretty awesome in, in this ministry. Can you talk about some of those? Yeah. Um, well, I love the beginning of some of these verses in Isaiah 61 because it kind of um, goes through what we're doing on the sidewalks. And it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from the from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair they will be called oaks of righteousness a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor and I feel like the reward that I really received through, you know, us being taking action through this word um, is just the joy. I, I, there's just so much joy in this ministry of being a part of God's work. Um, and there's a reward and expectancy of hopefully seeing some of these families join us in the kingdom one day. Um, mm-hmm. There's just there really is yeah. nothing that brings me more joy than doing what God has called me to do. Um and, you know, God doesn't need us. We often talk about how God doesn't need us and he doesn't have to have us, but he does choose to allow us to be a part of his work. And that's a big blessing to me because I'm able to be a part of that fruit. Um, you know, here in Roanoke, we've seen 16 lives saved from abortion over this past year. Um, when we first started, you know, I said it was slow and we weren't seeing any fruit. So, now to get to the point to where there's 16 babies that were scheduled to die yeah. that now yeah. have life, man, that is such yeah. a reward That's that amazing. God would let us be a part of that testimony. Um, so yeah, it's just amazing to witness the fruit of the labor that he's allowed us to be a part of. Have yeah. any of those babies been born? Have you had the opportunity to hold any of them yet? There has been one born, one baby boy, uh-huh. um, and he's a couple months old now. And we just yeah. threw a baby shower for Mama Y, um, and she is due in January. So we're expecting her baby girl very soon. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that's very... Yeah, it's the mercy of God that we get to see the fruit of our labor. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's, it's, it is encouraging, even though the victory is in obedience. That's like, uh, that's the fruit of obedience, seeing God do his, his work in the lives of these moms and saving babies. So part of your job has been getting churches behind you, convincing pastors that, that they should come on board and, and be more active um, in supporting frontline pro-life ministry. Has, has that been a challenge? Has that presented challenges for you, particularly in light of the fact that you're young and, um, and a woman? A lot of pastors, most pastors, I assume that you're speaking with are going to be men. Um, tell us about that. How, how do you develop courage to do that? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely challenges there. I never thought that at age 21 as a girl that I would be reaching out to pastors, you know, connecting with churches. Um, so it's kind of bizarre that God has put me in that position because I never would have expected it. Um and there has been some challenges, you know, there's been churches that have told us, well, we don't want to be known as what we're against. We only want to be known as what we're for, um, which I yeah. understand. Let's be, you know, for these moms, let's be for these babies. Um, but also Jesus was against sin. So it's okay to be against yeah. abortion. Um, so I've had responses like that, but I've had an amazing team um, that God has really raised up in here in Roanoke of close friends of mine and um, members of the church that have really come along and assist me in, um, you know, raising, contacting these churches. And I'm a young girl, so, you know, it's not appropriate for me to go meet with pastors by myself, but I've had this team come behind me and assist me in going to share the heart of love life. And we've had an amazing response. We've had um, about eight churches that are um, partnered with us in Roanoke that are praying with us and have adopted weeks. Um, and even further, have gotten people from their churches connected through sidewalk counseling or life discipleship, um, people even interested in orphan care, and um, you know, people who have had abortions in their past who are able to receive healing and restoration, and then also those who are interested in leading those Bible studies for these women. Yeah. Yeah. How did you raise up the teams? You said uh, appropriately, God raised the teams, but you were used by, <laughs> by God yes. to help raise those teams. So I know that that's a huge challenge for anyone in, in any city um, and can be a really daunting task. So how did, how did that come about? When, yeah. what role did you play in, in developing teams? Yeah. Well, when I moved to Roanoke, um, I was, Pretty much, you know, it was me and my husband Eastman and everyone I knew was in Georgia. And I was like, man, how am I going to rally the church when I don't really even know anyone? Um, but Eastman, um, you know, his family is here in Roanoke. And I do have, you know, some of my best friends that live here. Um, they're the ones who introduced me to Eastman, actually. And Eastman's family and my best friends that live here have really been a vital part in this ministry. And these are people that I already had strong relationships with. Um, and, you know, through this passion that God has given me, I feel like he's stirred it up in their heart as well. And they've been a vital part walking alongside of me um, and encouraging me. But they've also really kind of taken on this role of wanting to engage the church as well. So I feel like um, just through the passion that God gave me, he started stirring it up in other people, um, you know, as I took action. Mm. So you yeah, started, you started good. with what you already had kind of, and just, and, and God flamed, fanned that into flame 
and it yes. expanded from there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, your your passion for the Lord and uh, desire to serve Him in this capacity was contagious, and that <laughs> that got on other people, got into other people, and I believe it's going to continue to spread there. I believe your team's going to continue to grow, and uh, and you're going to continue to get churches on board. This is kind of the way this thing happens. It's really, it's got to start with somebody. Again, going back to the analogy of David, after David lopped off Goliath's head, he had to be a catalyst for this thing. That's when the children of Israel came out of their caves and started running after the Philistines, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, to basically run them out of the land. It's got to, you got to have somebody that steps out and to see a um, young lady like yourself step out and really be a catalyst for what I believe is going to be that culture of love and life in Roanoke, Virginia and beyond really taking root. Um, it's pretty encouraging. And I think it's it challenging and encouraging for anybody who's listening. If there's this kind of mentality, it's like, I'm just one person. What can I do? Well, here you've got Jenna sharing. She's just one person. What can she do? All she can do is obey God and step out where he's called her to. And, and God's going to do the work through her. And he is. And he'll do the work through you. But you've got to step out. You've got to step out in faith. Yeah. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of time left, Jenna. But what what advice or encouragement would you give to people who maybe are like-minded to you and, and feel like, like Daniel said, I'm just one person. I don't know what to do. What what possible difference could I make? What What can you say to them as a young person who not only started in this new ministry, but in a completely unfamiliar, well, somewhat unfamiliar new city with really little support? Yeah. Well, I'd like to, you know, talk a little bit about my inspiration and it really comes from, um, you know, youth in the Bible that are just like me, you know, David Mm. or Daniel's talking about, um, David and he was this young guy and we're currently facing this modern day Goliath. So we do absolutely have to have that boldness and courage when facing this giant, but I'm inspired by the youth in the Bible that have set an example of faith. You know, there's David, Esther, Joseph, Timothy, Mary, Daniel, and like the list goes on of these young people who took bold action in obedience to Christ. Like David was only 17 when he took on Goliath. Esther, she was around 14 years old when she became queen. Um, Mary gave birth to the son of God at age 16 as a virgin, and she had to have boldness to face judgment. And Joseph, who was yeah. sold by his brothers, you know, as a slave at age 17, but he worked towards, you know, everything that he did and he prospered and eventually rose to second in command to Pharaoh. So you could see like through each of their lives and their background that God wasn't calling the equipped. He was calling those that were willing and obedient. Um, so really the advice that I would give is you can start living a life of obedient and righteousness right now. Like you don't have to wait until you're an adult if you're the youth. God calls the youth and encourages us. We look to the example of 1 Timothy 4.12. We're told to set an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and impurity. So we can set yeah. that example through every task and every moment. You know, Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. 1 Corinthians 10.31 whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And some of the best advice that I've been given that I'd like to share as well is 
to invest your time in things that last forever. And there's only two things that last forever. That's God's word and people. So my challenge would be start investing your time in the lives around you by being a witness of the gospel of Christ. Amen. That's, That's wonderful. You could do next next week's podcast, which is possibly <laughs> yeah. about this very subject. Great, great, great advice and encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it would be good if you wouldn't mind, Jenna, just kind of wrapping up this podcast um, for you just to pray real quick for those who, you know, young or old that need boldness and um, that need to step out in faith, know that they need to step out in faith. And so would you just lift them up in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. God, I look back at um, the past few years of my life and I see the intricate plan that you've set forth for me. Um, You know, back in college when I had no idea what your plan was and um, I had my own route, you know, I was going into dental hygiene and um, you had different plans. Lord, you set me apart and you called me to this ministry And Lord, I know that there's um, other youth that are just like me that have passions and that have a desire to serve you in every way that they can. Lord, so I pray that you would just raise up those laborers of youth. Lord, we know that you can use the youth and I pray that you would help us to set an example. Um, You know, abortion is affecting our lives. This is our generation and we have a responsibility, that obligation to do something about it. So I pray that you would raise up the youth, Lord. Help us to be full of boldness yeah. and full of courage so that we can um, stand in the gap for these unborn children, Lord. Help us to be a witness. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Jenna. Thank you, guys. And uh, that was that was a blessing. That was an encouragement. Yes. And we hope that you guys listening are encouraged. We hope that, we hope that you're challenged as well to step out in faith. And uh, just to know that God is stepping out with you. So if this podcast was a blessing to you, please leave us a review. And again, reach out if you have any suggestions for future episodes that we can cover that would be a blessing and encouragement to you. You can reach me at Daniel at lovelife.org. You can reach Vicki at Vicki at lovelife.org. And if you want to reach out and encourage Jenna or maybe even support the ministry there in Roanoke. If you're close to Roanoke and you want to support a local ministry that's having an impact, uh, you can reach out to her, Jenna at lovelife.org. And I'm sure she can send along a link if you want to support her financially or support her, support her, <clears throat> sorry, in prayer. I'm sure that would be a blessing to her as well. That's Jenna with so, one uh, N. Yes. Just Jenna so that you know, I, I always have spelled it incorrectly. It's one N J E N A. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, feel free to reach out. And until next time, God bless. God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. Nothing's too precious since I met you